0: Brethren, at this time, we are uh, blessed to have our sermon for today by Pastor Steve Andrews. And I'm not even going to attempt the title. I don't know why he didn't brave that one. Uh, I'm probably not going to be able to to say it either. Um, We are coming to that time again. The most important day, evening, in a Christian's life is coming up on us. And it's called the Passover. And Jesus actually commanded us to come together and partake of that evening. And then Paul gives us instructions about that evening in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, 11th chapter. Let me get my book and my stuff open here, so I'll be ready to do this. 1 Corinthians 11. And I wanted to open with this because it's time for us to start thinking about the Passover and thinking about the things that, in our life, how Jesus is taking us into the kingdom, and how we are responding to the things that he is teaching us. And on that night, Paul gave some instructions, and I'm not going to read the whole thing because we'll come back and read it, but there were some instructions about preparing ourselves for the Passover. And I think that's important right now to begin to think about that. Preparing for the Passover. And in verse 27 says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Uh, A lot of people have gotten all bent out of shape over that one word. They've thought, oh, I am not worthy. I I don't know if I can go to the Passover or not. And in reality, if you go and look at that up, the word really means irreverently irreverently, or in a wrong spirit. What Paul is trying to help us to understand is the importance, the sacredness, the, the I would say, the holiness of the Passover. And that's the reason why, of all the, the services that we have, the Passover night is the, the most solemn, Uh, The one that we really don't do a whole lot of conversation and stuff because we're, we're introspecting about what Paul says here. He says, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. So he says, you should do it. If you are baptized... It is important that you come to the Passover and that you partake of the bread and the cup and the foot washing in that night. He says, for he that eats and drinks irreverently or in the wrong spirit, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So the importance of what Paul is saying is that we are gathered together in that memorial service to try to come to a better understanding of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, of the redemptive process that he is continuing to do in our life. It has not stopped. It continues. This redemptive process that Jesus is constantly doing, and we come as a memorial once a year together on that Passover evening. Well, in selecting the message today, I actually happened to have a book <laughs> sitting right on my bookshelf, which is right on my bed, and I can't miss it. It's sitting right, at, right in front of me. And I grabbed a hold of it, and I pulled it out, and I started reading, and it's actually a book called Hebrews, verse, verse by verse by William R. Newell. So I would like to go through as much as I can today. Hebrews, the 12th chapter. And by the way, Hebrews is, is, is the book on these days to go through and to think about where Christ is and what he is doing for us right now. As he is alive. I appreciate the music that we had today. They were so profound and so much into what I was thinking about and what I have been mulling over for at least a week and maybe a little longer than that. So let me read the first four verses here. And we'll just get a, we'll get a broad view of these first four, first four verses. I actually have seven points and I don't know whether I'll be able to get to all of them because I do, I do want to take my time as we go through this I want, to, I want us to absorb it I want us to think about it I want us to, to grasp what the author is talking about he says in verse 1 wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily uh, which does so easily beset us And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You none of us have resisted to blood striving against sin. Excuse me. I don't know why it always happens. When I get to hear it start talking, my nose starts running. But it does. And I apologize. Wherefore, looks back. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about goes back to chapter 11, doesn't it? Let's let's pick it up in in, in verse 33 of chapter 11. Who through through faith subdued kingdoms? And I'm not going to read all of chapter 11. It's the faith chapter. You know that and all of the ones that are mentioned in there. And Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of the ones that are mentioned in there. But I I want us to pick up this last part here and think about this. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness, were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight of armies of, uh, of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life, and others and here is the, the point. Others were tortured. Not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better Resurrection. If you want an interesting study, find the word better and go in and see all of the different places that that word is uh, put out in the book of Hebrews. I think you'll be extremely encouraged because it talks about better resurrection, a better covenant, and, of course, our, the, uh, our Savior, Jesus Christ. They might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were son-asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Of course, if you want to really get a a history of all the things that that Christians have been through, Fox's Book of Martyrs is um, very depressing because Christians have suffered down through the ages, as have the Jews. And so, consequently, um, these words here are, are not lies. These are truths that have happened to Christians, and they still continue to happen. Even to this day, those that profess Christ might actually lose their head. We know that. That has been in the, in the news, hasn't it? Of whom the world is not worthy. When you put your life on the line for Jesus Christ, the Bible says, and you lose it, the world is not worthy of you. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all having obtained a good report through faith, receive not the promise. God having provided a some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. So we look, all of us are looking forward to that day. Those that have gone before us and us that are still living. And depending on when Christ comes back, soon or very far into the future, we will all, of us that have professed Jesus Christ and have lived righteously as God wants us to, will be in the kingdom. So, chapter 12, back to verse 1 again. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us was some interesting things that um, Mr. Newell had to say about sin and weight and running races and different things. And I'd like to read a few things from his, um, from his commentary. Sometimes commentaries can be really helpful to explain certain things. Other times commentaries can, can muddle uh, the understanding. But uh, every once in a while a commentary comes along that has a lot of interesting things uh, uh, about it. He says, he says about this, uh, um, what I just read about the weight and the sin. He says, notice first the distinction between weight and sin. How runners strip themselves of every weight possible wearing the lightest clothing, the lightest shoes. And if you remember um, in Greek um, history, and in, in some Greek models, they have very little on to nothing on. And, and they would run or do any sport with the lightest amount of things on. I remember when I was uh, in high school, I hated to run. <laughs> um, we had this cross country that the coach made us do uh, maybe once a week. I can't remember now what the, what the timing was. But he made us run this cross country, and I never did have enough breath to be able to, to run very well and you see those guys that had that that were in, in track and they were in the same class and, and they'd be running out there and they'd be just way out ahead of you and you'd be just struggling to make it to the to the end and one year i remember watching the olympics and i remember how they were talking about how that this run requires so much mental in emotional and physical training to be able to do a marathon run. They would have to spiritually, I mean, or just mentally and emotionally, uh, get their mind set that they were going to be able to make it to the end. And their bodies, of course, they've already trained and they've trained for that, but there's, there's this mental thing that they have to be able to have to be able to make it. It takes a lot of uh, mental uh, strength just to be able to make it to the end of a marathon run. We have those that just right up front and they have the energy and the power, but others really struggle. And I remember the one year that I was watching it, uh, some of them were just dropping out, just falling by the wayside. So we can get some analogies from them. So we we want, to, we want to lift all of these burdens off of us. Now, as to sin, which does so easily beset us, some make this the flesh, which is with the believer, although he is not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, who gives him the victory. Others regard the sin, which is so easily besets us, as unbelief, that ter- terrible temptation which these Hebrew believers were ever beset with, of letting go heavenly things for earthly worship easily is a greek word often translated plausibly and meaning literally well standing around the sin easily besets us one well says let us never forget nor think for a moment that we can get in a position to which sin will not be natural to the flesh or where we do not need to be on our guard sin as is as natural to the flesh as it is for an animal to breathe. And the moment the eye is taken off of Christ, you have the certainty of sin besetting you. I thought that was quite wise because that's true. Once we take our eyes off of Christ and begin to let the world into our lives, and it's easy to let the world into our lives, isn't it? It's easy to let sin into our lives because the sin, the the world actually... um, promotes sin it actually markets sin it is easy to be involved in sin in this world the next point is 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 running in this race with patience there's an interesting point here at the bottom of this um, of course paul has a lot to say a few scriptures about running the race and making to the end and And then he says, I am, you know, I'm pressing on and and making it to the end. So we're running this race. And then this comment here I thought was very profound. How dare you or how dare I count ourselves exempt from this race? Christendom is full of professing Christians who are not running this race but are weighed down and have never considered laying aside cares, riches, pleasures, and lusts and other things, as the Lord puts it in Mark, the 14th chapter. Mark 14, and I didn't give this to, 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 um, um, (laughs) I didn't give this one. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness, this is Mark 4, verse 19. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust and other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. It becomes unfruitful. So I'm going to put that one aside. And let's go back now and let's look. So we're running the, the race with patience, but we're, we're, we we're have we have a very interesting thing. We're running this race, but we, we have the author and finisher. And R, O-U-R, is in italics. Never noticed that before. Always well, we the author and finisher of faith. So I went and I looked the, the words up. I thought, okay, author and finisher. So I got my trusty e sword out. I don't know. Y'all have a trusty sword. I hope you do. That they really are beneficial. And I went to uh, my trusty Hebrews, the uh, 12th chapter and verse 2. So I looked up the word author. That is the chief leader and the prince. And that's the first one. And it has in 1A of Christ. This is Thayer's. Um, and this is... Um, G747, if you're interested, and um, Archie goes, that's as good as I can do, and I'm not sure that's Greek, that may be just a perverted okie, (laughs) one that takes the lead in anything and thus affords an example, a predecessor in a matter, a pioneer. Who is the pioneer of faith? Jesus Christ. Who is the pioneer that's gone before us? Jesus Christ. Who's sitting on the throne next to the Father? Jesus Christ. G5051, finisher, a perfecter. Jesus was sinless. He was perfect. One who has, in his own person, raised faith to its perfection. And so set before us the highest example of faith. Jesus Christ is that one who has that faith. Now, we look to Christ, looking to Jesus. I got to thinking about this. We're running the race, and I appreciate, I so appreciate the uh, music, Abide With Me. I got to thinking, Abide With Me. And, and it was talking about not, not letting me fall, not letting me uh, slip being with me, abiding with me. I got to thinking, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He, has, he is perfect in all faith. We keep our eye on Christ, and we run this race. He is, I wanted to say a cheerleader, but then I got to thinking, no, he's like the coach. He's the one that is coaching us into the kingdom of God. He is also the one that if we fall, he picks us up and takes us into the kingdom of God. As long as we keep our eyes on Christ, as long as we are set on Him, we will make it into the kingdom. It's when we take our eyes off of Him, or we quit running, as that commentary was. If we quit running, if we stop doing the things that the Bible tells us we need to be doing, keeping the Passover, keeping the Holy Days, coming to the Sabbath, praying and studying, and doing the things that He teaches us in his word that we need to be doing, keeping our eyes on Jesus. We will win the race. We will be in the kingdom looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. Now, you could look at it the other way. He is helping our faith, isn't he? Because of his perfection, we look to him and we have faith. In Jesus Christ in taking us into the kingdom he says for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the same shame and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God he said all power was given unto him in heaven and earth and so if we trust in Christ No matter what our situation is, no matter how much problems we have, sometimes the weight of problems do weigh us down, don't they? Sometimes we are bogged down with different things like physical illnesses. uh, and Maybe we just get involved in different things that take us away from Christ. And those weights need to be taken away, just like Jesus said. He says the riches, the deceitfulness of riches, and the, the lust of other things. In the world. They're not spiritual. They're physical. And they're going to end someday. They're going to end. We want to be in the kingdom. We want to be a part of the solution to the world, which is the kingdom of God. He says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. We're running this race. We're running this race. We take our mind off of Christ. We become wearied. Because we, we're, our life then becomes bogged down in the world. And all of us understand that. We live in a fast-paced world. We live in a world in which many times when we'd like to retire, we still end up having to work just to make ends meet. But Jesus says you have not yet resisted to blood striving against sin. And he's right about that. Unfortunately, sin is one of the things that does come into our life and can this problems. The next section I've got here is uh, chastising of sons. This is part three. Uh, part one was the cloud of witnesses. Part two was laying aside the weight of sin and, and running the race, and and looking to Jesus. I've often had a little problem with this section here because I've I've, I've really had to, to mull it over and to think about it um, because it says that if if God loves you, He's going to chasten you. Oh. I mean, he loves us, but he's going to spank us? <laughs> he, he's, he's going to do what? You have for, <clears throat> you've forgotten the exhortation, verse 5, which speaks to you as to children. My son, despise not you the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. And you can look that up in Proverbs uh, 3, verse 11. It comes right out of the Scriptures because... It's interesting that God chastises us, and sometimes we, we don't know whether uh, because of what we're doing we're, we're having problems and, and this is chastisement or what. But I, I got to thinking about these things. How does God work in us? Were you affected by what the songs that we had today, the music that we had today? Did that speak to the spirit that dwells in you? Did that help you? Did that strengthen you? How about s- somebody that, that really has, and that's not me, but that really has the ability to preach and teach, and he, and he reaches out to your spirit and helps you to overcome, let's say, a, a weakness or a sin or something, because he, he really affects your spirit, and you are, are affected. He reaches out with a word that brings you. So with these things, when you come, because the Bible says not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together, and God's Holy Spirit is in this room because the Spirit is in all of us, and so He's here with us, and the, and the Savior is here with us, and so now he's, he's affecting us through His word. He's teaching us, training us, And if we need chastisement, let's say that we're doing something we're not supposed to be doing. He's he's talking to us. You should be doing something different. You should be praying more, studying more, whatever it takes. You should be changing. So, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. I'm not sure I want to ask God to chastise me, but I would like to ask God to help me to understand where I need to change. And I don't know if I want to to pray God, I need a few trials so I can be changed. (laughs) Because he might do that. But he could also ask, Father, you are my loving father. And you understand my heart. You understand who I am. Show me what I need to do to change. And to really please you. And to please Jesus. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, verse 9, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather, rather be subject, uh, in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? Of course. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit that we might be ta- partakers of his holiness. It's interesting. God says, I am holy. And this is... You can find this in the Bible. I am holy, so therefore you be holy. So if you're searching the scriptures and you're finding out how I can please God, that's one of the things that you can do. Father, teach me how to be holy. How to please you. How to be holy as you are. Now, we're not going to have that perfection until the kingdom, and I know that but I, we still can come and work towards that stature and the fullness of Jesus Christ, who was perfect on the earth, who did not sin, whose sacrifice is our redemption. And so we see that we might be partakers of his holiness. He says, now, no chastising for the present seems to be joyous, But grievous, nevertheless, afterward it it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them that are exercised thereby. Hmm, that's interesting, isn't it? He wants to chastise us so that we have more fruit, so that we'll be more peaceable, so we'll have righteousness. So it's a learning process, isn't it? We're running the race. We're, we're looking to the kingdom. We're looking to Christ. We're, we're enduring certain things in life. We're trying to overcome sin. We're also maybe being chastised for the things that we're weak in. And God is teaching us and training us in those things. And so we are looking to the kingdom of God. Part... Uh, Let's see. I think this is part four. (laughs) Make straight our paths. 12 through 15. He says, wherefore, you know, all this that we've just talked about, all those things that we've just talked about, because wherefore kind of points to the backside. He says, okay, now, wherefore, lift up the hands which hang and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man will see the Lord. So one of the things that we can do is we can come and we can pray to God. We can lift up our hands and Father, show me what I need to do. Show me how to be ready for the Passover. How can I be ready for the Passover? I want the right spirit when I come. I want to have the right attitude. I want to come before you. I know it's important. I know it's important to you and your son that, that we come and keep the Passover. I know the holy days are important to you. You laid them out. You said, these are mine. I know how important they are. I know how important the Sabbath is to you. Show me, Father. Show me. I've lifted my hands, and, and, and I want to know. I want to understand. And Jesus... And the Father will show us. One more verse here. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. It's the worst thing. Roots of bitterness creeping in. Not being able to forgive and letting bitterness just grab a hold of a person. It is one of the things that will take a person out and away from God faster than anything, allowing bitterness to, to, to come in. And it just, um, it's, it's really sad. He says in verse 16, this is, um, um, I, I wrote a note here, in verse 14. Let's go back. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. He said, out of step with the world, following Christ, I am holy so you be holy. That's what I I wrote. Out of step with the world. We're in step with Christ. We're out of step with the world. Sometimes we might even suffer persecution because we're out of step with the world. I think at work they probably think I'm kind of nuts. You know? I, I don't eat things they like to eat. Um, I uh, I don't swear like they swear. <laughs> and they've, what's interesting, they've, they've learned they 've learned uh, i don 't have anywhere near the cuss words around me anymore, that I used to have wow that doesn't I, I think they say okay he doesn 't say anything i 'm just not going to say anything we 'll just talk naturally now if I go out in the in the other area um, Katie barred the door, I just have uh, whatever they what they're talking about, so I, I have to put up with that but it is something that um, God is showing that we need to understand. So we we have a straight path that we are to follow, a straight path that, that, that Christ is showing us. Do not reject the blessing, 16 and 17. He says, lest there be any fornicator, verse 16, or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, For you know how that afterwards he would have inherited the blessing. He was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. I wrote down, don't reject it for a can of beans. Brethren, no matter what, no matter what situation, no matter whether you're, you know, you're dying or you're in financial straits or you're just having problems or no matter what, do not reject this way of life. He has given us the path to the kingdom. He has given us the path to eternal life. He has given us the hope of something so grand and so glorious and so wonderful so we don't reject it. That example is in the Bible for our admonition that rejecting something like this, you will never get it back. You will never get it back. And when that day comes and you're resurrected and he says, sorry, I never knew you, that'll be the saddest day, the saddest day. Those are, those are pretty, pretty strong words. I love this one I call it to Mount Zion I wish there was a way I know I I guess I I like watching too much um, too many movies that that have these spectacular things going on but I I wish there was a way that we could open the heavens and see see the, the throne and see things going on visually because look what it says here. Look, look what it says about Mount Zion. The heavenly Mount Zion. Verse 18. For you are not come to the mount that, that, might, be, that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor to blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words which voiced they that had entreated that the words should not be spoken to them anymore for they could not endure that which was commanded and in so much as a beast touched the mountain it should be stoned or thrust through with a dark and so terrible was the sight that Moses said I exceedingly fear and quake but brethren because of Christ because of his sacrifice because the veil has been um, torn and that that way has been opened to the very throne of God. We, when we brow down before God, when we come and we kneel before God, or we're, we're sitting and we're talking to God, or whatever place or whatever position, the door, the, the, the vast expanse of heaven is open to us. The vast, beautiful expanse of heaven. You are come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable company of angels. Sometimes, I I think we would be terrified. (laughs) I know we probably would be. It would probably melt us inside if God opened the door and he said, show this glory to us. But he says, we come before that when we come and kneel before him in prayer. To the General Assembly and Church of the Firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect." What a glorious thing! This Bible is so full of things that should excite us and and make us want to run this race with so much vigor and so much energy. And yet I know the world bogs us down, doesn't it? We get weighted down with all kinds of things, and yet we should make the effort. We should truly make the effort because we have such a glory such a wonderful glory that we have before us. We are the general, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of men make, just men made perfect. And, of course, to Jesus, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Wow. I mean, trying to comprehend, and and every year, that's the reason why God has created the holy days for us. From the spring holy days to the fall holy days, he's created these days so that we can better understand the glory. The glory that is there. The glory of Jesus Christ. The glory of the Father. The glory of the heavenly um, expanse. The glory that's going to come to this earth someday and that we are going to be a part of it. The last part. <laughs> I wrote the last verse down. I, For God is a consuming fire. I mean, he, they, they created everything. The, the power is there. And sometimes I think we just, we, we feel so inadequate not being able to tap into that. And yet we need to have the faith as we run this race. God is there, that He's he, and Jesus is, is the coach, and he said, I, no matter what, I'm going to carry you if I have to. I'm going to get you into the kingdom of God. Don't give up. See that you refuse not him that speaks, for if they escape not who refused him that spoke on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth, but heaven also. You can look that up in Haggai 2.6. And this word, this word, yet once more signifies the, the removing of those things that are shaken. As of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore are we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved? Brethren, we're going to receive a kingdom that is so glorious it's going to be an eternal kingdom. We're going to be kings and priests or, or priestly kings, whatever, however that look, however that is. But we don't know what it's going to be like. I mean, the Bible talks about it and it's going to be glorious. I know it's going to be glorious. We're going to have a part in, in something so, so fantastic, so wonderful, so, uh, so beautiful. In receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with the reverence and godly fear. For God is a consuming fire. Brethren, as we have come to that time, because it is getting very close, and we look forward to the Passover and to those days, We know those that uh, are baptized, it's uh, it's, it's incumbent on us to consider, um, to examine ourselves, but to come to the Passover, to want to be there, to want to be a part of what God is doing in our life. It is a memorial, a yearly memorial that we, we partake of. And as Matt said, it makes it even more important when it's only once a year, doesn't it? Because then we can can see the glory that, that was there. Christ sacrificed only once. Only once. For each and every one. And he sits at the right hand of the Father today. And will get us into the kingdom if we don't give up.